0: Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the One Broke Actress Podcast, an honest account of actor life plus a few lessons I learned in the process. I am your host, Sam Valentine, and today we are bringing you our first ever official Mother's Day episode. I am so jazzed about this episode because I know a lot of you have questions about being a parent and being an actor. And oftentimes it doesn't feel like this career lines up to be available to also be a good mom, to be a good parent, to take care of a dependent. And you guys send me these questions often. And I got to tell you, I got zero experience in that department. So I thought I would bring in some incredible women to the podcast to help you guys out with just that. So today on the podcast, I am honored to be joined by mothers and actresses alike, Christine Lynn, Wendy Wayne, and Lenata Washington. And I asked them all your questions, how to decide when the right time was to have family, how to tell your reps about it, when to tell your reps about it. Do people on set need to know you're pregnant? What happens after you give birth? How do you get back into your creativity? How do you find time for you? And how do you manage a schedule for yourself, let alone for children, and let alone for several of our actors on the call today, a family of creatives, including kids who are actors. A lot of the Patreon contributed a lot of these questions, so thank you guys for giving me the goods here. And I also want to specially acknowledge, before this episode really starts, those of you who are not mothers, who are struggling with fertility, who have decided to not become parents, who want to become parents but can't, those of you who are non-binary and can't actually give birth, those are all real struggles. I know of all of my actors who listen to this podcast, and I want to make sure your voice is heard and understood and also thought of in this conversation so it does come up multiple times, and I want to make sure that you are taken care of when you listen to this episode. These women do so much justice to so many of these topics, and I am so honored that they gave me some of their very, very precious time. And to all my moms out there, I want to wish you and yours the happiest Mother's Day. So without further ado, please enjoy Wendy, Christine, and Lenata. So, today, for the first time ever, I am so excited because we have our first ever Roundtable Mother's Day episode. And I am joined by not one, not two, but three incredible actor mothers in the space. And, ladies, thank you so much for being here. Just so we can identify your voices, I'm going to have you go one by one. First, Christine, and then we'll go Wendy, and then Lenata. And I'd love for you to tell me your name so we can hear it from you, what market you're in. Give me a little brag, like one of your coolest credits, and then tell me about your kids and how old they are.
1: I'm Christine Lynn. I do mostly on-screen stuff now, so commercials, television, movies though I started in the stage and still sometimes do an occasional play here and there. And I've been getting into voiceover stuff as well. And one of my more recent credits is playing a mom on the show Surfside Girls as a recurring guest. And I did that one when I was pregnant with my second child. So that was fun. (laughs) And I have two kids, a four-year-old and a one-year-old. Amazing! You're located in? Oh, in Los Angeles. Great.
2: Awesome. Thanks. Wendy, hi. Hi. Well, I am Wendy Nguyen. I'm in the Atlanta, Georgia market. I am an actor. I have two kiddos. I have Stella. She's 12. And I have Liam. He's seven. They are both actors. My husband is also an actor. So we are... An entire family of actors, which if you can imagine just being a single actor and being with yourself and all of your passion and all of your emotions, a house full of that makes for a really good time. (laughs) There's a lot of passion. Definitely. And also, my son just recently, he released uh, Love and Death. It's on HBO Max. He is on that show. His mom is Lizzie Olson, and his dad's Patrick Puget. So we spent seven months in Texas filming that. And then my re- most recent credit is Jesus Revolution, which came out just about a month and a half ago.
0: So Lots of fun things happening for our little family. Awesome. Wow. Oh, that's a big
3: house <laughs> of actors. Yes. I love it. I love it. Lenata, you can meet that. <laughs> <Yes. huh>? Hi. I'm <laughs> um, Lenata Washington. I am in Los Angeles by way of Chicago, where I started in theater, did a lot of theater and then commercials, and then finally booked a movie that brought me out here. So I've been out here almost almost 18 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what else? What else do you need to know about me? I have a daughter. I have a nine-year-old daughter. She and I and my husband worked on a show together that my husband wrote that picked up six episodes on Amazon right before the pandemic. That was her first big project. So it was kind of a family affair. My husband is a writer, director, editor, producer. So we are a house of, of creatives as well. And I've done a lot of stuff. that I'm trying to think of most recently, but I think I'm going to go with most favorite would probably be, I worked on an episode of Grey's Anatomy a couple of years ago that was actually really, really fun to do. And it's kind of a popular episode because it was a, I was playing a pregnant mom who gave birth in the middle of the hallway during a lockdown. So, you know, The drama is always exciting. (laughs)
0: Yes. Oh, that's such a Grey's Anatomy plot line. I love it. (laughs) That's fantastic. Well, thank you guys so much for your time today. I know it's very precious. So I'd love to kind of start there and we'll kind of work our way backwards. But in the way that you guys live your lives and your day-to-day life, how do you handle time management, because you have not just your unpredictable schedule, but you have dependence. So who, who, anybody, anybody want to start us off with that crazy rambunctious mess? <laughs> Who's got it together is the question. Cause I feel like
2: I'm on the hot mess express most of the time. If I'm just being honest, we honestly have so many things going on and you know, our industry is wildly unpredictable. It's just the absolute nature of the industry. So we never know when we're going to work. We never know what's coming in. And with the auditions coming in for four people it gets a little tricky. Thank God. Typically we are not in different States all of the time. We try to make sure that, you know, one parent goes, if if there's a little, you know, working, and then it always just happens to work out that, My husband and I are, one of us is home while the other one is filming, but we have had that crossover where I have mild panic attacks and scream into pillows in my, you know, closet and then come out and fix my hair and go, okay, we're good. You know, it's going to work out. Uh, But generally I feel like I'm, I'm kind of, you know, doggy paddling in the middle of an ocean most of the time, trying to keep their schedules going and their activities as kiddos and, and. School, like that's a whole other lane, I feel like. And so, balancing that and making sure they have just fun as kids, because kids in the industry, it can be tricky to make sure they have that childlike nature and keep that spontaneity and funness going out with them in the real world. So, I think it becomes a little challenging. I don't think I have a handle on (laughs) the schedule aspect of things.
3: Yeah, I think I'd agree. I mean, I think Wendy hit all the points. You know, you want your kid to still enjoy childhood. But at the same time, <laughs> when you are in this business where, you know, you send them off to school and then I'll get a breakdown sent to me. It's like three pages long. She has to memorize it. She has dance, piano, and various other activities at school. How am I going to fit this in before she goes to bed at night at, you know, 10 o'clock? <laughs> so I think it literally is just taking lots of deep breaths and trying to rely on the village as much as you can. I have some great friends who help out with picking her up from school when I need it or taking her to places when I can't get there in time. And of course, right now with the way the business is changing and moving and, and all the little pieces, I think it is really important to have a village of people who can help you. I don't have family nearby. So that definitely, I think, helps with the time management situation. Because I, just by nature, I am a true creative, and then I don't give a f- about time. Like I, I want my freedom to do what I want to do. And of course, once you have a kid, you know your your life a lot, especially in these in those early years, is really about. Helping them, <laughs> they're do you. They need you for everything. No more waking up at ten o'clock when I want to to go take a hike. You know, I have to sort of plan around the needs of a little being that needs everything from me. So yeah, having close relationships with other moms, other families, relying on my husband a lot <laughs> to also jump in and do things sort of helps because my natural inclination is just to be very free with my time.
1: <laughs> I definitely feel that way.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Christine.
0: So you're, you're our person who has it all together, right? I
1: I feel (laughs) everything that you both just said, especially with our kids being four and one, it is all about schedules and routines. And, you know, our little one is waking up and you know, sometimes as early as like 6.30, which actually isn't that early for little kids. <laughs> but for us, it's very, very early. And even our four-year-old, I think she would happily sleep in until like eight. And sometimes we're like, you have to get up. And she's like, no. She's like a little teenager. But, you know, they have to be at school and or preschool. And then we have daycare for our one-year-olds, which I know is like also hard for a lot of moms who are in a creative space. And they're like, oh, I can do both. I can juggle both things. And I'll just say right now with our first, that was extremely hard. I tried to do it and I was extremely cranky about it. And um, I would get resentful and I don't know how other Parents do it, and I know they don't always want to be have to do it that way. But sometimes it's just a necessity. We also don't have family around, but we have a pretty deep babysitter bench that we call, you know, just text everybody like, "Hey, are you available from this time to this time?" You know, all of my auditions are done either between the hours of like ten and two before it was like ten and twelve thirty, or after eight p.m. when they're like in bed and you're exhausted. So (laughs) just kind of put the squeeze on all of the creative things. Yeah. So how do you all keep yourself
0: creative then? How do you keep yourself creative if it's the last thing I want to do at eight or nine o'clock at night is film and audition. And I, my dependents are all dogs. So I can, I can put them, you know, in a cage with treats and like things get quiet. It's looked down upon with children, apparently. Jokes, 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 jokes. But so how do you, how do you guys each keep yourselves creative and keep yourself excited about a self-tape when you're doing it after a long day of taking care of your kids or even self-taping your
1: kids? Like that sounds exhausting. I think it's really important to, make that time for yourself to block out time, even before you have an audition to make sure that you have the space for it. Otherwise, if you're like, Oh, I'll just make space when I get an audition. Then when you get it, it's extremely stressful and you're panicking. I mean, if now it feels like a short amount of time to turn something around in 24 hours, 48 hours, it's way worse when you have kids and you have plans and doctor's appointments and all that stuff. So I've made space beforehand and I block out that time beforehand and now I'm even like I guess I'm gonna I'm ready for some class you know I'm ready to get back into class and do whatever feels nourishing to my creative soul I also want to have a shout out to our partners who sounds like they're all very supportive and my husband though he's not into the industry works from home and so is able to do and wants to do you know 50% 50% of the pickups and drop-offs and keep things equitable and take on some of the mental load that is most often put on the mothers in in our society. So it's like we're required to work full-time and manage, you know, what groceries do we need? When does laundry need to be done? Making sure the house is clean, all that stuff. <laughs> so yeah, yeah,
0: and knowing the schedules and everything that like comes with it. Yes. It's funny how it automatically leans to often a female presenting partner in some way
3: which can block your creativity right yeah no i th- i was just thinking you know some of that i think is so it's it, it some of it feels very inherent to just being a woman in many ways like this, especially if you gave birth to your children, because mothers come in so many different forms, right? But when you've, <laughs> even if you haven't given birth to your children, there's, there is this, just this energy. You're always connected. I can tell you that even though my daughter is at school right now, and I know she's well taken care of every once in a while thoughts will come up, especially in the world that we live in. I'm, you know, not to like get into this zone, but you know, school shootings happen Children get, you know, children go to school to learn, and then you turn on your phone or you turn on the TV, and all of a sudden there's some calamity. It's always like a a little rolling, <laughs> I don't know how to call it. It's almost like a little its own like ticker tape thing in the back of my head, going, "Okay, is she okay? I hope she ate her lunch. Oh, you know, she hates that water bottle; it doesn't open well. I hope she asked for help. I've already told her she can ask for help. That's what teachers are for; they're there to help you. You know, you're just constantly having that little worry behind you. For me, at least that thing, I feel like no one told you, they told you that you were going to like, love this, this little thing that you, you know, you created, they're going to come out from the, into the world, looking at you for everything. And you're going to love them and you're going to care for them, but no one tells you that you're literally going to worry about them. Your parents, all of your parents, if they're still living, are still worrying about you at thirty-five and forty-five and sixty-five, whatever, you know, until your last breath. <laughs> and it's it's like kinda of crazy making, but also really amazing. You know, and there's I think for me as far as finding and maintaining the creativity, it's definitely been a roller coaster, I'm not gonna lie. I suffered really bad part of postpartum depression. I think in part because I had a C-section that I didn't want. And that's a whole other conversation. As I think a lot of women do, I just kind of try to push through it and tell myself I was okay. And I ended up sort of having to create like a little world for myself in my own little brain. Where I would literally on those days when I was feeling not connected to people or not connected to my art... I would pretend that I was in a room with George Clooney and whoever else and have full out conversations. I know it sounds a little crazy, but it's what kind of kept me going, especially healing from a C-section. Not very fun. Nobody's calling you (laughs) in for auditions (laughs) when you've just given birth. So I needed to do what I needed to do. So that's, I mean, for me has always been finding a way to create the world that I'm hoping to be at in my own space. So I'm doing dishes. Okay. What scene can I create here? And who's the wonderful famous person I get to work with today? I mean, I literally, that's what I did. And I still do it now. She's nine years old and I have a lot more freedom, but you know, during the pandemic, that's what I did. If I didn't have an audition to put on tape, I would literally imagine myself on a set and, and try to create, you know, what's, yeah. <laughs> What's the calamity other than the actual one we were living, you know, that's going on that I need to like solve the problem for. Yeah. I don't know. No, I love that though too. Cause it's also
0: attainable and real. And thank you for bringing up postpartum depression, because I think we're going to hit on, I want to talk about deciding to have kids and the actual pregnancy process as well, but the after effects of what happens that when everything's supposed to be rosy and cheery is very real. And emotionally, that's really hard on actors. So when you're an empath and you're built to feel emotion, it's very, it must be very compounding to deal with that much emotion at the same time.
2: I mean, I, I couldn't agree with both of them more. I had postpartum after my first daughter. Well, so after my first child and i was not ready for that i don't think anybody is you know you hear about it but it's a very real thing and it's it's something that you you have to have a good support with your your medical providers, which I thankfully did. And I knew myself well enough to know that I was off. And I also went to school to be a doctor, but then I was getting a dance minor. So I had to go through the drama department. And then my drama teacher was like, you're gonna play a doctor. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. So that's why I'm an actor. So my brain also works as uh, sciencey. So I know probably more than I more than is good for me about the body. So I had the the knowledge to understand that my chemicals were way off and I needed help. So that I had thankfully had that, that help and support, but I know a lot of women don't. And especially in this industry, that's already so tricky. And it, it is very much about like who we are, what we look like, our appearance. you know, those things are fuel to the fire. And that is in and of itself a whole conversation. And as far as like trying to stay creatively open and vulnerable. I think for me, because I am not a night person, I am a wake up and sing and jump on the bed and and say good morning and like run in and, and, you know, be the happiest thing at 5. AM. So I, for me, it's been helpful to know where my power time is and then not let the pressures of deadline affect that or steer that because I am a recovering perfectionist and people pleaser in recovery. Thank you. So excited about that. I used to sacrifice myself with this like looming monster of I've got to get my audition in first. I've got to get it in like, as fast as I can. And that pressure, all it did was rob me of my creative power. And then I I fell into acting as opposed to being a human and someone that is relatable and vulnerable. And so I would never book anyways. And when I finally thought, Oh my gosh, I need to take back my power and protect my time so that I can offer my gift as a gift of love and service through this audition. I need to decide whenever I'm doing my auditions. So that power time for me is usually at the top of the day. And then I think it's wildly important, at least for me, the things that bring me joy, like I have a horse, we rescued a Mustang. And so I go out on the farm and I'm with that animal. And that animal just happens to require me to breathe and calm down and still to be in relationship with it. And that has helped me in so many ways in my acting career that I like could not even tell you, begin to tell you the depths. I'm also a dancer. So just everything that feeds my soul creatively, if I feel like I'm in a rut. I have to ask myself, have I been outside? Have I done something creative? I don't care if it's painting, sewing, riding my horse, listening to music, dancing in my kitchen. I'm like, okay, you have to go do that because it all sort of goes into this woven tapestry that makes creatives magical. So I think it's super important that, and as mothers, I don't I've not been good at this like for years. I'm just now starting to get really good and protective because I see the worth and the value, because if I am not taking care of me, then I can't really take care of my loved ones, my people, my friends, my family, my career, the way I want to, I can't show up for them if I'm depleted or pouring out of an empty vessel. And so now I've, I've come to protect that time because it's something that I need. It's a lifeline for me so that I can give
0: out and pour out. Yeah, when it comes to that putting on the oxygen mask first, I am very curious because sometimes I feel (laughs) my whole life kind of revolves around me and the world I've built is like my world. And the idea of bringing extra people into that beyond like my husband who signed on for this train ride is wild to me. So can we talk a little bit about about the choice to have children, if you guys are open to that. And I know, you know, I respect everyone who's listening to this. I know a lot of you might not be choosing to have children. I know a lot of you might not be able to have children. And I know I have a lot of friends who are struggling with fertility in general. So I want to asterisk that and underline it as a super important thing that we like value and understand. But I do know that the decision and the thought process behind it for some people is very short, and for some people, is very long. So, Lenata, I'd love to start with you and and kind of hear about how that went on your end, especially because you were in Los Angeles already. Already, yes,
3: I had and I had a very stable working career. It's all I've ever done. I've been really blessed. I was not. I, was, I mean, really, really blessed. In some ways, right now, it's kind of hurting the fact that I've never waitressed or worked at an office or it's kind of hurting me a little bit as I try to look for work during the strike and stuff, but I've never had to do anything else. I'm very thankful and hopefully all of that will return. I knew, I've always known that I wanted to be a mother. I am a Virgo, very much a mothering type. I have an older sister, so I mothered my sisters a lot. It was definitely in my, in my spirit and want. I married a man who's 11 years older than I am and has two children who are older and He was not so sure he wanted kids. And we actually stopped dating for a while because I was like, well, if the option isn't even there, I don't, I don't even want to do this because I know that I have that in me. He came back promptly (laughs) and um, we married and, um, you know, we kind of left it open. We weren't trying to have a kid at the time. Actually, I woke up the morning. I had a table read for NCIS. I was recurring on NCIS. I had my first table read and I woke up and I said, honey, I'm late. He's like, what? Uh, he's like, how late? I'm like, I don't know, about three hours and 25 minutes. Like, that's how precise I usually am. But I also just felt, I just, I felt it. I felt something was not the same. And I remember I took a pregnancy test, kind of like brushed my teeth, was doing my hair, and I looked down and there was like this faint itty bitty little line and I couldn't like I kept looking at it like I don't know I don't know by the time I got downstairs it was a little more pink and and I showed it to him and he just went huh I went to my table read kind of like yeah, I guess I'll take one of those and it was one of those cheapy tests you know those ones that you keep for emergencies but you kind of really need to get a robust one so I was like I'm gonna go get like a true blue robust one on the way home and in the middle of my table read the phone I see like it bling bling on my phone, I look down, and he has taken a picture of the pregnancy test. And now it's like two very bold, you are pregnant lines (laughs) with it. And with a little tag from him that says, huh. And that's literally what he said for me to me for like the next two weeks, we, you know, we'd be chatting, and then he'd stop and he'd look at me, he'd go, huh? Yeah, (laughs) Uh, it was kind of crazy, because we weren't really prepared, I wasn't sure how I was going to tell my representation. That actually for me was probably the most stressful part. Because up until that point We had so many actors ask about this. Yeah. I had so many people telling me, you know, don't get pregnant. Don't get pregnant. You're right in the middle. You're like, you're you're full steam ahead right now. You're testing for shows. You're getting close. Don't get pregnant. So I didn't end up telling my representation I was doing Masters of Sex for HBO. and I remember I'd gone in for my fitting and they put me in, i was a nurse, and they put me in this very tight fitting, like 1950s, whatever, nurse outfit, which was beautiful. And I loved it. And at that point, I wasn't quite yet showing, showing. I was like five months, was containing it pretty well. And I remember showing up on set and they'd changed my costume and I was wearing now an A-line skirt. Thing. And I remember, you know, wardrobe came in and I said, Oh my gosh, you guys figured it out, huh? I'm pregnant and you can tell. And she looked at me and she said, I oh, didn't know. And I'm like, Oh, Oh, I just figured you changed my costume for this. She's like, no, we we changed it for everybody. I'm like, oh okay. Well, I did my couple days on Masters of Sex, and I swear it's like my kid knew. She knew she was she kept herself nice and tight because literally this day, pop, I had a belly, and I was like, well, I guess it's time. And I went into my agency, all women, wonderful women. I love my agents, and I'm but I'm about to tell on them. I love them. I love them so much. But I show up. I had made an appointment to go see them. I walk in. And they're like, Lenata, to see you, come sit down. And I, you know, I turn profile to walk into the office and I hear them all gasp. And I sit down and they're like, well, I guess you won't be working for the next three years. And I remember, and then there's little giggles and laughs. And I laughed too, but I just remember something inside me kind of died a little bit. I was like you're women (laughs) and I need your support right now. Like I am pregnant and I'm excited. It's a little girl. I can't wait. But also this can't three years. Are you fucking kidding me right now? Excuse my English. Like, are you kidding me? I need you to tell me I can do this. I need you to tell me it's going to be okay. And they were super excited. And they were like, you know, I mean, usually the way it goes, it's like, you're going to be, In baby world, you're going to be doing that thing. And essentially what that did for me, also a recovering perfectionist, it had my mind twirling in overtime so that I had a C-section and I had this baby, but I was doing everything I could to try to look like I was fine because I had to get back to work. I had to get back to work. And essentially I probably did more harm to myself at the end of the day because I didn't, I wanted to prove them wrong. I wanted them to know that, no, I'm not going to be that girl who's just going to forget that I have a life and that I'm a person still, I'm autonomous. I, I am me and I have these hopes and these dreams and I'm not, I'm definitely not to all. And it's just crazy because I had literally just birthed the whole human out of my body <laughs> and I probably should have resting and just enjoying the, that sweet time that you don't get. after after they start (laughs) learning to be
0: little people. So, yeah. Okay. So you waited until you were showing to tell your agents
3: that's, I I hate that they said that to you too, because it was such a big choice. It was, it was a big choice. And I don't even know that they're aware. I mean, I I think now is probably a good time to be like, Hey, do you guys remember? (laughs) Um, Maybe they'll hear this podcast. It'll trigger something for them. I don't think they're even aware that that's what came out of their mouth in that moment right? You know, this isn't necessarily a business that sets things up to help moms. Like they should have babysitting situations on
1: set for series. I mean, series regulars want to have kids too. Like I've heard so many stories of people. One actress in particular was like, don't be afraid of having kids. And she was like, my agent was like, actually called to tell her that she'd booked a series regular, it was like a cop show or something, and then she—that was the same day she found out she was pregnant. And so she, they said, like, "Hey, you booked it," and she was like, "Oh my gosh, that's like so great!" Like, also, like, I'm—I just found out I'm pregnant, and the person was like, "What?" All right, I have to call you back, and then like hung up to call production to like tell them to make sure that she could still be on this show, and my friend was really mad at them was like, excuse me. Like that is not the right attitude. You know, that's not only not supportive, but like almost sort of punishing her. And it turned out like the show was totally fine. They're like, Oh yeah, that's fine. We'll we'll, like shoot around it and stuff. No problem. And so, uh, it is a hard thing. I think with the first child, I waited till I was Showing, which did t- take a while. It was probably around five months or so when you first start to see a little bit of something. But I'm also five eight, so I, I you know, I have a little more space to develop and stuff before you see anything. And then I was like trying <laughs> to stick out my stomach to like book the pregnant roles, and I didn't get any of those. So. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, but with my second one, I also didn't <laughs> tell anyone. And, you know, that's the one I booked this recurring guest star and it's definitely not pregnant on the show, but I just auditioned and I was like, well, I don't know how I'm going to shoot this, but I'm just going to audition. We'll worry about it if I book something. And then I did. And I think it was when I was filling out like the medical form or like in all the sizes and stuff. And there's like one little questions, like, are you pregnant? And I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> I think costumes, you know, was the first to like find out. And I was like, well, like. It's, it's your problem now, you know, figure it out, I guess, but they're really cool. And costumes like worked around it. And I think some people are really supportive. Like I booked a a commercial where, you know, I said like, oh, you know, I am about five months pregnant. This is with the second one. So the pants might not fit exactly right. And they're like, oh, really? And it wasn't for anything dangerous or they were like, well, nobody needs to know. Like, we'll just dress around it, you know? And it was fine. Nobody could tell. I just looked like I worked in an office or whatever.
0: <laughs> it does seem like wardrobe is often like on yes. the front lines of finding out when an actor is pregnant. And they're just like, secret safe with us, whatever you want to do, none of our business.
3: Obviously, there are some women who have more complications with pregnancies than others. But in general, you can do just about everything. I mean, I worked out the entire time of my pregnancy. I was perfectly wonderful I ran I lifted weights you know up until a point I don't know people get really some some people I should say can get really strange about women and babies yeah it's
2: almost like they see it as a liability or something like it's going to mess up the trajectory of whatever project we're on it's, it's pretty insane but I mean I think this sentiment is felt even across Over here in Georgia, while we were able to tell our representation that we were pregnant, but we swore them to secrecy from casting and directors and producers and writers. My first child, we were very proud and I was like, whatever, who cares? Then we lost a baby. We lost our second child and I was actually booked and then had to go into an emergency DNC. And so... That was interesting to navigate. So then when we had my son, we were pregnant with my son, we kept it a secret, not just from like my agents knew, but like we kept it a secret from our world. Like Our families knew, but we I didn't post that I was pregnant. I booked and I would just, I would tell wardrobe, my girls. And my voice and wardrobe, I would be like, all oh, you can eat clothes, all oh, you can eat clothes. <laughs> because thankfully, I, I carried small. And so I was about almost seven months. Wow. And I was like, okay, probably now I'm just good and I wanna sit down. I was already contracting with Braxton Hicks. It was one of those things where mentally it worked out. I didn't want to be out there. I think that was something that when we were deciding whether or not, or when rather, to have children, I understood the side of me that is all in because I'm an empath, because I feel, because I'm a helper, I'm a run to girl and anybody I love or know, or don't know for that matter, I give them my all. And so I knew having children that I would probably wrestle or have a tug of war with my job. And what I wasn't prepared for was that I was really happy to be home for a certain period of time with my baby. And then I required that my child be allowed to come with me on set and that that was just part of every contract, like stage five clinger mom in the best way. But we had kids to be a part of the journey, not to I'm going to be over here and you're going to be over there. They grew up with us, seeing us go after our dreams and our passions and live out what we feel gifted to do. And for us, that was just like a mainstay. So we've, we've kind of always put it out there like, no, I am pregnant. It's a good thing. Like when I get to get on set, it's like, we're loud and proud here. But it is something that I wish would change in our industry because the, the very fact that we can create life and another organ, because you create life in another organ, people forget to talk about that that is rock star status. Oh my goodness. That should not be something that we are penalized for.
3: Being pregnant and I was, I nursed, I nursed mine until she was almost three. Yeah. I was one of those moms. And, um, there was one day I was on set. I got called in at eight and of course I had, a, I had a nanny at that point or I had someone helping us she was still little I don't think I had an actual nanny until she was about 10 months but I had someone take care of her because I hadn't thought to like throw down the gauntlet that she needed to come with me so there I was at eight o'clock on set and they didn't use me until 4 p.m and I forgot my breast pump so here it was three o'clock and I'm like oh shit someone help me and Of course, you got to love wardrobe people because they just they got your back, your makeup people and your wardrobe people treat them with the utmost respect came in to check on me and I was like, I am so huge right now and I need help. So here I had two women helping me hand express Mm -hmm. my boobs, which were like the size of watermelons. And they'd sent out their PA to go get me a hand pump, which they let me keep, which was great. So, you know, I finally got a pump so that I could, you know, bring it down. But again, it's just one of those things that if we could get to a point where we're just very open and free about it and, you know, having the industry sort of join in on making sure that as actors, as actors who birth, as actors who breastfeed, as that, you know, whatever it is, that those things can be taken care of with a lot more ease because I was super stressed that day going, by the time I get on set, I'm going to be talking to Mark Harmon and Milk's going to be like, boop, boop, boop all over the place. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wait,
3: I would have I, totally
2: I'm, watched that episode. It though. <laughs> before your eyes. It's like, you can see it. Yeah. I was on set filming. And it's so funny, because there's this side of where you're really open about the fact like I'm a nursing mother. So if you can just give me like 10 minutes, the fact that we really need to ask for that in and of itself is a little tricky. I go back and forth with going like, you know, people go take And this is no, no shame. People go take smoke breaks or they need to go do this. And and those things are all normal. But if I have to say, I need to go get the food for my child to keep it alive, then it's like a whole thing. I was filming and the, the, the production was phenomenal. I love them, but they had this PA that was like, do you need your 10 minutes now? And I'm like, okay, now it's a thing. And it became like this, like, he, he was awkward. He didn't know how to talk about it. I was like, "I'm going to go pump my breast. Yes, I'm going to need ten minutes." We were in this like mega mansion, and you know, it's like a hurry up and wait. So like, they're going slow as molasses, truly, until I need to pump, and then everybody's on their game and they've got it. And I'm sitting there like, "Okay, we're doing it. We're doing it." And I'm in this this mega mansion. The bathroom is like the size of most like March houses, and wardrobe's like, are you good? We're ready. We're ready. And I'm like, okay. And I turn and knock over all of my breast milk all over this like fantastic marble tub. God bless. It has a piece of me is still there. I'm sure. But I was like, Oh my God, because if you have nursed a baby or have lactated, you know that that is like literal gold. And I was like trying not to cry, but also laughing at the fact that my breast milk is all over this marble and hopefully it's cured so it doesn't seep in the, por- you know, like all the things. And then I'm like, also my baby is at back at base camp. What are we going to do? It's just like this like series of unfortunate events, but also I'm like, is Ashton Kutcher gonna pop up and say, Punk, we're good, like you're okay. <laughs> it, it, it's one of these wild things that it, it's why I love women so much, because even as I'm working, as we women are working on these sets, and especially if we're had just had a baby or we're pregnant, we're not just one hundred percent focused on that job in the day, in those moments. I'm running now to deliver this scene and be present while thinking about my breast milk and my baby, you know? So it's like women are rock stars and shout out to wardrobe and hair. Cause they do always have us. I mean, truly like the best, the best, the best. And I do feel that now we're in an environment and a climate that is, A little better, a little more accepting. I know that I've worked with some production companies that tend to have females in positions of power that are now the producers, the directors, the writers working with the team for Love and Death. That's Leslie Linka-Glatter. Her production company and her team is predominantly women. And when I stepped foot on set with my son, I was like, Leslie, oh my goodness this feels incredibly different. And she was like, oh yes, it's by design. It was curated with women in power and in positions that are not typical on purpose. And you could feel that. It was a completely different feeling. So we did have, Lily Rabb was pregnant at the the time filming Love and Death. And she, they so supported her and it was beautiful to watch. And I'm so happy because that's exactly what, Should happen. It should be something that's celebratory as opposed to how do we get around this and women being made to feel like they're a problem or an issue or that the thing that's in their body is a thing and not a human, you know, that's valuable and wanted and desired and a beautiful thing. So
0: We're inching closer, I think, than where we were, but we've got a long way to go. I'm curious if you think that if we had more females in spots of producer, director, showrunner, all of those places, that it would be less of a thing, even if those... I should say female presenting because I want to make sure we cover all of the areas of the world, but also women who are like female presenting people because they understand the plight, even if they might not have had children or might choosing to be not having children. I was
1: going to say the sets that I've been on where it was thought of, that was taken into account women. I was on a set where when I was pregnant with my first, where it was almost all women on the crew and they had breaks for pumping for nursing and kids were allowed to come on set and all of that stuff. And it was, it's also different. I think when you have women, you know, that are leading productions, especially in like the first AD roles, you know, they're just like, okay, let's handle it. How do we fix this? How do we work together? As opposed to like, how do I get this done? Or like yelling at people basically, or panicking. (laughs) I
0: was going to say the fact that your voice went from like a gentle whisper to like a yell to delineate between those two types of people. I can hear, I can see it exactly.
1: you know you know, exactly. <laughs> yeah. you know like somebody who's used to like seeing a problem and not freaking out about it and keeping a cool head and it is so much better when you have someone like america someone who understands like oh okay like yes we can accommodate that or yeah don't worry i will let you know if something is showing you know that doesn't need to be showing and you know they've got your back and it is so much more supportive and they are making time for I can't believe you do it only in 10 minutes I'm like I need 30 minutes and they're like oh okay I'm like no I need 30 minutes because I gotta like take up the, I gotta assemble the parts and they're like is everything okay and they're like I put your the bags I very clearly marked it and I put it into the the director's fridge hopefully nobody I mean nobody should be going in there for a bag of milk <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, this is so, like no why would anyone be touching a bag that's of spelled, milk right? like that so fresh milk, right? It's so weird. It's
0: like it's well, like boxed like water. water it's really the next thing. Here. Like bag. Honestly, like, I would die if
2: a director put it in his coffee. Please, God, let that happen. yeah that right phenomenal.
3: I'd be like, yes, that is like gold. I try to get my husband to take it oh, when no. he was sick. I'd be Listen. like, here, everybody gets a spoonful. That stuff is it is gold. it for eczema, everything. Yes, cuts, bruises, eye
2: infection, breakouts. Oh, everything. I love this.
3: No, but can we really talk about it? Like when babies suckle, right? You're not just. Giving milk, you're also intaking some of their saliva and your body decodes it and goes, Oh, Mm -hmm. they need more fat content this next time around. They need more of this particular, you know, they have a cold coming, we can sense it, you need this, but like the the human body. And let's also talk about the fact Mm -hmm. that underneath it looks like a flower, like boobs look like flowers, all the ducks and everything. It's so beautiful. It really is. It's really, really
1: amazing the ducks. Yeah. So interesting.
3: Oh, I
0: mean, Wendy, you mentioned that you were you were able to ask for bringing your child to mm-hmm. set, which I think that a lot of people might not have done before or might not have realized the capacity. So how do you go about asking for that? And for our moms, like, how did they start to get that, especially for people who are maybe coming in for smaller roles and don't feel like they're allowed to take up space? Yeah, I would, I would say 100%,
2: no matter what your role is, advocate for yourself. Like I'm always a big proponent of what you need is important now. I am not. I don't require a lot. So when I say that, I know what I need is not like something ridiculous, you know. (laughs) But
0: yeah, like only blue MMs in your trailer type of shit. Yeah. (laughs) Um,
2: But like your needs are your needs, and because we're in an environment and a field that we have to be emotionally available, it is important to make sure that we take care of those aspects of ourselves. So number one, I always say like advocate for yourself. If you have, especially if you have a newbie, if you have a newborn, I don't care how big your role is. I was on set and I was, I don't even remember the role, but it was not a huge role. I was not in a position to say like, Hey, I'm number one, two, three, four, five, or even top 10 on the call sheet. These are the things that I require, but I did because my job there, no matter where I am on the call sheet is to help move that story along. And what I bring is greatness and excellence and craft. That's where I'm always going to strive for my barometer. So when I go to set, I'm not saying that I'm the best or any of those things. I just know that I'm going to give my all. If part of giving my all means that I need my baby on set because it's four weeks old and I need to nurse it or because it's four weeks old and it needs its mama, then I'm just going to say, hey, my child will be present. It's not really an ask for me and it never has been an ask. They are not doing me a favor by me being on set, if that makes sense. I am there because, number one, I've worked tirelessly for years with no level of you're definitely gonna book a job but I don't I don't really know of a job <laughs> or a field where you get into it and you're like yeah you might not ever work yeah you could literally do the most, you could be the actual best for the role and you might never ever 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 book. Despite
3: the fact Wendy, that Wendy needs her own show. You are giving me life right now. Where Angie were you 10 years ago? I could have used this. Um, oh my gosh. Yes.
2: Well, I mean, it's true. It's true. And here's the other disclaimer like, we know what we're getting into, but like, good God, I, I'm sometimes I'm like, Lord, like, somebody sedate me because I would have, I would love to be able to just shut off my creativity and my empathic heart. Because it's the best part of me, but it's also the part of me that breaks my heart into a million pieces. And so when I think about how much we give as creatives and actors and to show up on set, because I used to be this girl when I was a newbie actor, I would show up on set as if I had to serve them in some way that I wasn't their equal. And once I got into my head that the excellence that I bring, no one can do me like I do me, how I do me, when I do me. I am not your competition or your competition or your competition because the very makeup of who I am, my life experiences, how I process information, how I'm knitted together. You're not going to deliver the same scene as I am because we haven't had the same life experience, period. We could have gone through similar things. But the way I process information is one way and how I recover or or deal the way you do it is another way. And you may have a completely different view and vantage point, but guess what? Oh my God, that is so freaking awesome. And the fact that we get to show up and say, hey, do you want strawberry ice cream today or chocolate ice cream today or chocolate ice cream today? And nobody's in competition. It's just what suits and serves the story so that we can propel this into greatness. Like, let's go. That idea of us showing up with understanding that who we are is a gift and what we offer with our emotions and our ability to tell a story is such, I mean, like breast milk, like solid gold. It has the power to move people and people to feel loved or people to like escape from their day to day, whatever that means for them. Like I hold that with the utmost of like honoring, like respect. So when I show up on set, no, I'm not there to do you a favor. I'm your equal and co-creator. And what I need is to bring my baby to set or my children will be here so that I can play soccer with them because that's good for them. And it's good for me and I will not be late. I will be on time. I will be prepared. I will know my blocking my lines, my co-creators lines. I will know everybody on the crew's name. I will show up with the same level of greatness and have my children because that's Yep. What women do. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. We're all like, Yep, yep, that's she's got it. I love that. So yeah, I wouldn't ask. I would just
2: politely say, And I have this little bitty that's so cute and they're coming. And then treat that with respect and honor. You know, we know what set looks like. So just make sure you're respectful of how set runs. And mm-hmm. we always have somebody there to hang out with our kiddos mm-hmm. so that it doesn't become a nuisance or a problem for anyone. And our kids know set etiquette. So they're not running around acting a certain way that is not acceptable. And it's never been an issue.
1: I love that. And when I actually booked a co-star part on the show with, my daughter that they dressed up like a little boy because I was playing this young mom. And so we brought her to set and actually the person scheduling the production, I think he was a young father. So he gave us like an extra large trailer because he's like, kids need so much gear. You're going to need that space for like a playpen. And it was a night shoot, which they didn't tell us until like the day before. And I was like, 7pm. I was like, that's Oh, I mean, by the end, we were just like, have another gummy bear. Like, please, like, (laughs) keep it together. (laughs) She was like saying my lines at the same time as me. And I was like, okay, well, they said they got it. So I'm just going to trust that. (laughs) Um, But the point is, is that people are now more... Aware and able to be accommodating, and so definitely ask. I I think I asked like if there's a larger trailer, and they're like, yeah, yeah, and they actually gave us two, which we didn't need, but they're like, you know, in case she needs a nap or something like that. And I was like, that's so thoughtful. And I just wanted to add too, though, if there is a role that it would not be beneficial to have your kids with you, maybe it's super heavy or something super far away from your role, or you just like I just want to go and like have crafty by myself and not have to bring you know, my husband or a babysitter with me, that's also okay to to have them at home in case to get a little break. To, it's healthy to say, I love taking care of you. I love being with you, but I also know that you're going to be safe here and that I am going to go do something for me and I will come back and we'll have such a great time. <laughs> so it's all about figuring out what you need for that particular Project or moment in time, and I love that. I love that all of these things can be true for us. So, yeah,
2: yeah. I think the older they get, too, the easier it is for us to step away and go to work. You know, now I'm not going to ask for my 12 year old to come to sit. <laughs> I'm going to be like, "Stay home, I love you." I'm going go to go work um, and have fun. Yeah, no, and I love that because I think our brains, too, our minds as mothers, we we kind of we grow with them too as they age from when they're very little and then they get bigger and they get more independent then we are a little more independent (laughs) we can separate a little more so it is nicer like you're saying to, to go to set and to enjoy crafty and the quiet and solitude of your trailer. Yeah. It's
0: beautiful. Yeah. Well, we're talking a lot about the life of booking and things like that, but I want to touch on the realness of the financial situation of not, especially, so we're recording this on May 4th and the writer's strike was announced earlier this week, which we all saw coming, but knowing the ramifications of that, especially in those of you who have households that come from two different creatives, it's, it's jarring and it's kind of concerning. So can we talk a little bit about the financial ramifications of having children on the up-downs of an actor's salary.
3: Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's so interesting. I was saying earlier, and you know, I was really blessed that I was able to be an actor. Like, I hit the ground running when I arrived in LA, and I've never really had to have a layperson's resume. <laughs> and here we are in the midst of a strike that I uh, unfortunately feel like is going to be heavy. Because, you know, actors, our contracts are up in a month and directors are going to start negotiating in about five days. So and what we're asking for is important and viable and and I think really can change <laughs> the outcome of what all of our lives are going to look like here in the future. So it's it has been frightening. You know, we also went through a pandemic, right? So there was a pandemic. We, we started the pandemic on a high. We had a show that was airing on uh, network. We had six episodes. Pandemic hit the day before we were signing the contract for the next six episodes. So our life pretty much sits that day. It has been hard. My husband is a director, a writer. He also edited. He started in this business as a special effects makeup artist. Literally being creative, being in this world is all that we know. And I'm not quite ready to give it up yet, but there are days, especially now as we enter the strike, where I'm having to wow, I'm having to sa a lot. <laughs> I'm having to meditate a lot. And it's hard to explain to people who aren't in the business. You know, I've, you know, my family's been on this journey with me for 20 years and it's still something where I have to be like, okay, I need you guys to understand that my health care is directly tied to the amount of money I bring in. (laughs) If I don't bring that money in, I don't have health (laughs) care. And then I have to go out and try to Obamacare it or whatever it is that they, I don't even know what it looks like. I should probably start doing some research just in case. I live in California. The cost of living in California is kind of ridiculous. I own a home, which I, again, never thought I'd ever be able to do as an actor. And I did, and I have. And, and it never dawned on me in all those years that I decided that I was going to go full throttle. I wasn't going to listen to people who told me it couldn't happen and I couldn't do it and it wasn't possible. It's literally sitting at the precipice of possibly having to sell our home and move somewhere else. It's definitely an exercise in faith whatever that looks like for people. And that, that word has means a lot to me in, in, in different ways. It's learning to be open to trying other things. I mean, I'm really out there like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to teach acting for a while. Maybe I can do that. <laughs> I, I've been doing it for 25 years. I certainly hope I can teach it. It's a feast or famine business. You have to know how to sometimes save. And I'm I'm thankful that we were really smart for the years that we were Really viable and working really hard that we've been able to come this far through three years of a pandemic and now possibly through a strike. Hopefully, something wonderful will bless us here in a way. And what will be will be. You know, at some point, I also have come to the to the reality that the ending of something is also the beginning of something else. And so I'm kind of riding the wave of what this. What what other ways can this career look like? Because it's not always what you think it is. It's not always what you, you plan and (laughs) life happens. So I don't know if that directly answered your question, but yes, it can be challenging. There are days when I was like, man, I I went to the university of Chicago. I was a pre-med biology and English major. I had for all intents and purposes, I was going to go into pediatric oncology. And then I realized, Oh my God, babies with cancer die. I'm not going to do that. You know, maybe I should have married one of those really hot guys who was doing like B school and is like on wall street. (laughs) but I didn't. <laughs> that's not who I fell in love with. And that's okay Honestly,
0: too. <laughs> now might not be the best
3: time for that either. So. No, I know. Right. I mean, and, and the, tr- the fact <laughs> of the matter is as much as we're feeling the squeeze right now and the, you know, the shifting of change in our business, it's happening in every business. Even those businesses that traditionally were like, Oh, that's a solid thing. You know, those things that your parents, wished we had done instead or tried to get us to do instead. Even those career choices and, and jobs are are feeling like the change, whatever this change is. And so again, I think it's a lot about having a, a, a healthy respect for the business, having an understanding of times of give and take, times of when we are active in times when we have to maybe step back and, and refuel and, and you know clean out the, the arsenal and figure out what pieces we still need and what we don't. I know that I've done it for 25 years. So I know it's not a matter of me not being good at what I do because it just as Wendy says, I show up with excellence every time that is utmost important to me. I love what I do. I love creative people. I love actors. I love being on a set. I love being on a stage. I love telling stories. We are truth tellers. And that for me is, and will always be the most important thing is to show up and be able to tell that truth with my full self. So something, something's gonna, something's gonna give here. And, and if it's going to take all of us showing up on the picket line to do our thing, then that's what it's going to do. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like having children makes you almost
3: double down in your hard work in this business in a way? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I definitely feel a responsibility too to ensure that I am able to continue to feed into her innocence and feed into her, you know, joie de vivre, you know, like, I've, I've had 46 years on this planet and I hope to have another 46, you know, but she's just starting, she's just starting her little journey in this particular spirit self that she is. And I want her to be able to enjoy that at whatever level we can. And that doesn't matter. And that has nothing to do with how much money you have. Ultimately, that's really about how much faith and joy and love and beauty you have in yourself and what you're willing to give to your kids. So, but yes, being that I have her, there's so many things I wouldn't do or worry about in the same way if I didn't have, if I didn't have her, you know, if I had to go outside and sell myself on the street to make sure she eats, it will be done. And I won't blink twice. Like it, it just is,
0: it just is. So yeah, Christine, I'll cross that to you since you're also in California and, uh, you know, this cost of living is, I don't know about you guys, but my groceries are astronomical.
1: Yes. Everything has just jumped up like 30% is what it feels like. And I, I'm in a similar boat where I don't, I was realizing like, Oh, I'm not going to make healthcare that my two girls and I are on for this starting in the fall, you know? And so I brought it up with my husband who has a non-acting job. He's in affordable housing finance. So I was like, what's your plan? You know, what, what's going on over there? Can we switch over? And he was like, uh, I'll have to check, but you know, there are, Otherwise, we'll go into the marketplace and stuff. We'll figure it out, you know? And I think sometimes the scariest thing is just facing the unknown and asking the question of like, what do I need to do right now? Or what else can I do in this situation? And how do I let go of or move past and process the disappointment of really hoping that something would work out and then realizing it's not going to and we have to pivot. But this business is so weird too. Like I think about, how I did make health insurance oh, yes. during the pandemic, yeah. you know, for two years. What year are we in now? Three, <laughs> and how weird that is, actually. So you also just never know. And I think with motherhood, parenting in general, and this business, you just never know. You know, it's like your delivery could be super easy, or you could push for fifty hours and then have to get a C section that you really didn't want. And every little thing is. You just have to take it as it comes and let go of all the things you hoped for. And sometimes you get to keep those things or sometimes they're even better, but yeah, financially there's a squeeze. And if you want to talk like hard numbers, I think the first preschool that we found, or, or maybe it was a daycare and it was like very nice, very fancy though. She never napped there. I think it was like 2,100 a month. And my friends were like, that's like another rent, like a really nice rent in, in LA. And that's what it costs. So if you just want to talk that um, every hour that you're not taking care of your kid is $20, probably minimum, unless you find like someone who's not an an adult. 30 for for two is what I found. 25 is now kind of more the standard for an adult, right? You can find like a 13-year-old or 15-year-old through your local church or whatever or organization, but you're probably gonna have to be there as well. It's definitely a cost. And then there's like the the time that you spend cleaning. Like I tell my friends who are like, Oh, yeah, how is it? I'm like, it's wonderful. It's also way more cleaning than I ever expected. Just preparing, you know, the question of like, what are we going to have for dinner is like, so much more elevated when you have kids because sometimes they don't eat the thing or you have to prepare it to be eaten at five o'clock so you can make a 7.30 bedtime. And and then there's like an hour of cleaning afterwards as you're like, they just don't know not to throw it all over the place yet. It's just a serious time commitment and thinking about what it is do you want from your life? <laughs> yeah, all of those other cost things. Again, it's wonderful. And it's all of these... <laughs> other things so i'm gonna try though like imagining i'm like on set doing something i'm like oh yes i'm cinderella right now cleaning the floor and (laughs) make it fun somehow
3: it's amazing and it makes the it makes the day go by. I mean, it really does sometimes <laughs> when you're at home. It just like listen, I've had I've had love affairs with some of the most amazing Hollywood oh, men there are. I mean, come on the tables. I scrape
1: my prune
0: juice. You know how when you're is. on set and they're like, Okay, just like pick up the laundry like you would if you were at home. And I'm like, How do I pick up laundry when I'm at home? So like to practice as though there's a camera there is actually a really great idea because it's like oh, casual yes, things. I really <laughs> do like that. Wendy, mm-hmm. how are how are, how are things in the Southeast? How's it faring down there?
2: Well, we have mm-hmm. a little bit of a different situation because in Georgia specifically, we're a right to work state, which is a blessing. And I count that very high. But also when Hollywood shuts down or when we have these writer strikes, which I am like, we need change and, and I'm in full support of. It does like things start to get a little wonky here too. I mean, we, we definitely don't see the same caliber of of jobs that we hope to have and want to have, you know, so those all still stop for us. So what we're left with are, are the non-union jobs, which are great whenever we have these times where we are at a strike. But for Dave and I to both be actors, when I tell you like, thank you to our bank who knows that we are actors and we can be like, "Hey, funny story already worked and filmed. And we're just, you know, when that production company wants to pay us, that's what we're waiting on. You know, it's, it's a tricky part of our job and thank God they are, they're like, it's okay. We got you. It's fine. We see your money coming in. We see the trail. And I'm just so thankful for that because there are months where we are literally waiting on checks and for both of us to have that, be our constant which is definitely not constant like the the up and down and the not knowing and as a woman i'm cre- i'm making our home right and i'm trying to plan meals and i'm trying to grocery shop and and provide for growing kiddos and so that can be very very tricky so we've learned to steward well with very little by necessity but also with the pressure of the inconsistency of our industries. And when we have these pauses right now, because we need change, we've learned to look within and, and diversify and use our, our creative talents because listen, I love a creative. They are so flexible. They I, rubber bands, you know what I mean? I'm like, if you give them any sort of problem, they're going to figure it out. And so it is the best part of us. And so like, we have a production company. We were like, okay, we cannot count 100% on this industry because it's let us down. We've gotten burned because, you know, yes, we thought we were going to book all these roles or we thought we were going to be at this place in our career. And we aren't yet me like you guys too. I'm not going to put it down. It's it, it is who I'm called to be. So whatever I have to do to pivot and shift it. And my husband feels the same. Like we just do that. And so we, we, we started a production company. We have an acting school. I trust in the fact that we are wildly fantastic in figuring out these problems and going, okay, you know, I can have a podcast or, or I'm really good at, at organizing. So I'm going to start this business. And I think it's important as creatives now, because my husband and I think of like legacy, not just in character, but like, what can we leave financially? We've learned to start to create and open up these, these channels that will help sustain us in the in-between that nobody likes. and, And it's like, it's murky in there. You know, it helps us navigate those spaces to make it more number one, comfortable, more predictable, and to allow us to still be in that creative space and do what we love.
0: Yeah. And it sounds like it's similar to what I feel as a creative who doesn't have children as well as just like trying to pivot and trying to figure out the thing and whatever's next. But I think that you guys have a unique pressure of, sure, you can figure it out and maybe eat cereal for a week if you have to, but you're not going to do that to your children. You know what I mean? Like it's a different, it's a different scenario when you're making choices that involve other people who don't have the means.
3: Oh, for sure. Like, I don't want her, I don't want to have to take away her dance classes or anything because money's tight. It's like, I'll do, I I don't need the lattes. I can postpone my workout and do it at home. I can, you know, yes, I get very creative about what I can do so she can still maintain the level of life that has been set forth for her.
1: Also, if you don't know about buy nothing groups on Facebook, they're amazing. No, share about that. What is that? You can find, it's like a neighborhood or location-based group and you join based on where you live, what your actual address is. But the basic premise is that nobody, you buy nothing on there. So people are offering up, I mean, sometimes people offer everything. Sometimes it's like, we tried this tea and we don't like it. So here's 18 of 20 bags of tea left. Does anyone want it? And it's like, someone will come to your house or they'll take the granola bars that your family didn't like to eat, but sometimes it's a lot of kids stuff. They're like, "We've outgrown this. Please take it away." You know, I just get it out of my house. That sort of thing. So I've gotten a ton of like baby stuff, like like sleep sacks. It's like, where did all my sleep sacks go from the first kid? You know, and so now we we need some. Or sometimes people, yeah, it's so that's what it is. It's just giving gift economy, buy nothing, and yes, it'll be local to your area, so you never have to drive super far to get anything.
3: I just picked this up yesterday from someone for buy nothing that she had on there that I want to like beautiful. frame or like, do something with. And she's really holding a it. lovely piece from, of she art it. guys. <laughs> she had it from Kenya and she's like, it's just been sitting in my house doing nothing for like eight years. I'm like, I'll take it and frame it and do yeah. something beautiful. But I've also got, we got our Roku off of that. We got some people get really like fancy schmancy. You'll get like workout equipment. And it was definitely something I think that was motivated because of the pandemic mm. people, we're trying to find ways to still have community mm-hmm. while we were all stuck at and home. And so many people were cleaning <laughs> um, house, yeah. right?
1: They were like, why do I still have this? Yes. Yeah, it, yeah. it'll be like, I have a giant tote of this size clothing. Please take and then re-gift it onto the next person. So like this traveling suitcase.
0: I love this. I love this too, especially because as actors, yeah. sometimes we're like, Hey, does anybody have a 1940s housewife outfit? That's maybe pink, like that kind of random stuff that you have to find and you don't want to keep it in your closet for forever. Cause you also do voiceover in there. For example, you guys, this is so awesome. awesome. I could, we could continue this conversation, but I want to make sure we value your time. So I want to give you guys a chance. If there's something you wanted to
1: ask each other before we go, I was just wondering, are your kids included in your social media presence? It's kind of like, my question. I've heard some people say like, oh, the baby content is like so great. And other people are like, we don't share any pictures of our kids. We don't include their names, that sort of thing. So just wondering what your thoughts are on that.
3: Yeah. Well, first of all, whenever I do record anything and she happens to be in it, I always ask her permission if she wants it to be posted. If, I, if I'm if i wanting to post it, I always ask to make sure it's okay to post. It's interesting. Sometimes we forget that kids are they're people <laughs> and they don't like things. There are foods they don't like. There are clothes they don't like. That they, They're allowed to not like things. They're allowed to say no. It's very important that they learn no. So I always ask her. She does have an Instagram that I run. And really, honestly, I haven't there isn't tons of stuff up there. Some stuff, you know, she'll ask me to post it and I'll do it, especially now that she's nine and has kind of a, it's starting to like percolate in her brain. Oh, like people have YouTube pages. People have connections to other people in the outside world. But I want her to have a really healthy experience with it. So I'm always very careful about what gets said. She filmed this one little video of her dancing one day and it was great. The dancing was amazing, but she was wearing her nightgown and she had her undies on and her legs, just too much, too much was being shown in a way that made me feel uncomfortable because unfortunately, yeah, there are people who are going to look at that and take advantage and who knows you hear horrible things these days. So I am careful about what gets posted up there. We don't post too much, just enough to, for her to have a little fun, for us to have fun as a family and to keep it simple. I'm not in a rush for her, even as an actor, I'm not in a rush for her to always book things. For me, a lot of it is her having experience, her learning about being on a set, proper set etiquette, how to talk to people, how to learn about the whole process. You know, it's not just being an actor. Understanding how the camera works makes you a better actor. Understanding what sound is. You know, we're all getting the lessons these days during the pandemic. So learning all that stuff now as a child is only going to give her more ammunition to be excellent on on set when she's really ready. So for me, it's it's all about having fun right now.
1: Amazing. And what Safeway. age do you think asking? consent basically of posting stuff what when do you think that should be started should I start now with my four-year-old probably
3: (laughs) if you know if she can say yes and no to things if she can look at a picture of herself and say I don't really like this picture of myself for whatever reason or I don't I didn't feel comfortable that day then uh, yeah because you know as a baby it was hard right you're like I have this really cute thing right? like this little being and I I did I had a lot of pictures of her when she was maybe with me out and about because she was my bestie for like a whole year and then I had that moment of like oh I don't ever want her to like get on here one day and be like mom why did you put these pictures of me like this and what you know so yeah I think if she can answer you then she most definitely can advocate for herself in ways to say yes or no about something
0: yeah totally Totally. Well, I want to wrap this up for you guys, but was there anything else you guys wanted to ask of each other before we go?
2: Well, I want to say something to you guys, if that's okay. I just want to say good job because being a woman is tricky enough. Being a creative woman is tricky enough. Being a woman of color is tricky enough. Like in our current world, it, it, so to show up and be a creative, and a woman and a creative woman of color, you know what I mean? It's good job for showing up and being true to yourself and showing up with excellence and having children and or choosing not to, because I think that's a very powerful choice. Know thyself. If you don't feel called to have a child, guess what? Air high five. Don't have one. And go on sleep in for the rest of us, and like go on all the trips, and we will do those things for ourselves. But you know, later in a few years when we can, but like, just it—it's to me, women are so wonderful and phenomenal. And I just want to say that it is incredibly brave to show up and to be emotionally vulnerable and to offer your gift of storytelling and your emotions and to show up for other people because basically that's what you're doing you're showing up and you're offering story and how you view the world for someone else is very selfless and it costs you something it costs each one of you something because I know what it's cost me and we do it because we love it and so I just want to say good job I'm proud of you even though you don't need that I just am because it this this industry and This world is not for the faint of heart. You know, it really takes a warrior type person to get in here and and to stay committed and to keep showing up with greatness and to keep being vulnerable because y'all, we get told no more than we get told yes to still show up and, and have hope because I've had some hope fatigue and it's tricky to get yourself back up. I've wanted to quit and know, listen, girl, I'm like, Ooh, wow. Like I feel like you talk about tea, oh, was it a teaspoon? Uh, oh. on, a teaspoon of hope or a tablespoon? What did you, Sam? What, okay, that is so true. And I'm like, and then it turned into God. Will you stop giving me crumbs? I just need the whole feast. Please, just give me the whole feast. Like <laughs> I can't survive on crumbs, you know. But it's true. Like it really only takes that little bit because of our heart condition and and because we're empaths and storytellers that is something so sacred and special. And and it is something to be valued. And so I just want to say good job. And I'm proud of you. And thank you for showing up in the world the way that you do and for showing up for your dogs and your your children the way that you do because it's all important. and And our world needs more of it. You know, they just need more of this goodness and this love and, and the magic that you bring. So good job. And I'm proud of you.
3: No, you too, yeah. Wendy. I You have, you have, you definitely, uh. have, I'm telling you, you need your own show. She's got a surge of like, <laughs> of like, feel good. Like, you know, I was born uh. in South Carolina, so that the Southern thing too, just like this, it just. I don't know. I, I feel like I I went to church <laughs> listening to you talk. Listen, if you want to
0: start, if you want to start a podcast, I know a girl. Just saying.
2: <laughs> okay, listen. I'm a need girl because you know what my super creative slash science brain does. Well, I could go here, and I could go here, mm-hmm. and I could go here, and I could go there, and I could go there, and then I guess what? I don't move. That's the problem with the creative side is that there's so much. I have that same brain the creative science it's creative science brain uh, with a little bit of well, ADHD We are the same person ADHD. in different oh. bodies I feel you it is the struggles real yeah.
1: I think yeah. we're all, I think everyone is pre-med, right? Right? Oh my gosh, are we, pre-med. we all pre-med? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got an engineering degree and... Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like I knew good well. me, But this is <laughs> not about me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. Sorry, Mom and this.
1: There should be a way, like, how can we make this better? How can we make this easier? How can we figure this, solve this problem? Yeah. <sighs>
0: Ladies... This is amazing. Thank you guys. So I'm going to tag all of your links and everything in the show notes so everyone can go follow you guys and see or not see your families, however you choose to put them on social media, like we talked about. And all of your links and bios and stuff will be down below as well. And I just want to say thank you guys for talking about this stuff and being so real because sometimes I think as actors, that's the hard part is finding people who don't just put a rosy glow on everything and talk about the real ramifications of this business. And I really appreciate you guys being here and thank you so, so much for taking the time.
1: Thanks for having us. Yes. Thanks for having us. This is great. Well, Thank you so much for doing this, for hosting us. Yeah. And also just one more shout out to people who don't think they want to have kids. That is a perfectly valid, wonderful choice. <laughs>
3: yes. And it's, especially since I think even those people end up mothering people, all the time <laughs> you're mothering you but we mother our spouses we mother our dogs we mother our friends in different ways I think there's definitely that energy amongst us but yeah not wanting to actually have them is absolutely okay especially if you're willing to take mine sometimes to babysit so I can go and do some other things right? Yay! you need like a little <laughs> hit you need us to babysit kids, that's why so like
2: sure. you
0: can come over yeah. <laughs> oh, you guys are awesome thank you so much
3: yeah <laughs>